0: Welcome to the Know Water Methodist Church Podcast, where we hope to encourage you in your spiritual journey so that you may be a blessing to your local church and to the world. everybody this is the no water methodist podcast thank you for joining us we took a trip over to the tulsa dream center and had a tour and an interview with their executive director it was all very interesting um for the podcast we're not including the portion where he gave us a tour of the facility and explained everything because uh you can't see it, so you would not enjoy that very much. But if you'd like to see the full version where um, we walk through the building and he points out all the different rooms and talks about uh, the different programs and ministries they have, then go over to our YouTube page, and uh, TJ and I took some video that he spliced together. Um, All really interesting and engaging stuff. So um, what you'll find included on the podcast is just the sit-down interview with him where he does some— overviews of the organization as a whole, but he does get into the nuts and bolts around a lot of different ministries and programs. They have kind of their principles and how they govern the organization, and um, as a person who tries to run a a good organization that's admittedly much smaller than his, I just found it all—I found all of it really interesting, so I hope you do too. And um, anyway, be in prayer for for the church that I serve. We're trying to discern— Um, how it is that we're called to care care for the poor in our context. And we're just in a learning phase, and um, this this tour definitely helped very much. So I hope it helps you know how to pray for us and then also um, how it is that you can be engaged in ministries that care for the poor because that's kind of important. Jesus talked about it a lot. So um, may this be a blessing to you. The L.A. Dream Center works with people in generational poverty, on living on the streets. So they deal with the homeless problem. They talked about how the state of California is spending like between 20 and $30,000 a year on each homeless person in the streets. They said LA Dream Center spends $6,000 for a full year of taking care of each person. And then they were able to go through the facility and interview individuals that they were housing, educating, equipping. Um, And then addiction has a lot to do with that as well. So they had a strong addiction ministry And then the, the assumption I carried with me was that all dream centers would be dealing with the same root issues of poverty and, and, uh, addiction, but it seems like your facility, it does deal with, uh, systematic poverty, but y'all come at it. Um, I think it it seems to me, y'all focus on children more. You focus on education. It seems like you focus on resourcing about as much where when people come in, you're able to hook them up with resources and stuff. Um what what differences do you think would you say you have well and I'm also curious with other institutions in North Tulsa like what do y'all do that is different and then what do y'all do that's really good it's obvious that y'all have a great footprint in the community y'all know who people are but then I'm also curious about how you're able to figure out how much good you're 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 getting done um, so I don't know what kind of metrics y'all can hold on to because it seems like there are multiple points of contact, mm-hmm. and if it's the work that I think it is, there's a lot of failure, mm-hmm. but you also have success stories. Yeah. Do you have any sense of what things you do work really well? Um, that I just threw a whole bunch of stuff yeah. at you, but I'm interested in anything you, yeah. you yeah, have no, to Yeah, No, of.
1: absolutely. Yeah. So that no, there are definitely there. Are, you have two to three type of models of dream centers that you'll see floating around the U.S. Uh, one is the L.A. Dream Center model that focus very heavily on um, <coughs> homeless, hom- hom- homeless uh, s- drug addiction, mental health. Like that's, that's, their, that's their big core. You know, uh, then you have like the Phoenix Dream Center or the St. Louis Dream Center, are Very uh, even like Atlanta Dream Center, sex trafficking. Like that's the main thing, homeless and sex trafficking. Like that's, those are mm. the two areas uh, that they really, really focus on like the Phoenix Dream Center, they have housing purely for young women that they're escaping out of sex, sex, sex slave traf- trafficking. Like that's all they do. Wow. Um, but then you have the Tulsa Dream Center. We're more, uh, have more of a, a, a community-led focus of like holistic, we're like a Boys and Girls Club with social services wrapped around it. So that's kind of the best way to like, if you want to kind of tie it in a bun, uh, like what the Dream Center, the Tulsa Dream Center does, we're like that, we're like a social service agency. Boys and Girls Club, with social services wrapped around it. Because um, people, they understand the Boys and Girls Club concept mm-hmm. of boys, come here, boys and girls come here for, uh, for, um, for after school tutoring. Uh, they come to Boys and Girls Clubs for sports. You know, so what we do, we're really big on any of those things. You know, we have sports leagues from basketball, the to baseball, to flag football, soccer. Uh, but then we have after school program, really strong after school program uh, whether here on site or at our two remote locations. Uh, our after-school program has expanded to our uh, to, to ele- uh, elementary school as well as a middle school that's in our community, but then we serve on this site the other eight elementary schools and middle schools and high schools that's, that does not, those kids don't attend those two schools that we are at their locations. So you operate at multiple sites, mm-hmm, not, just sites one, not just this one. Three the, sites, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, three sites but in that three sites you're looking at sixteen schools uh... being impacted between those three sites Wow! Um, and so and we run buses to those to other locations and bring them bring those boys and girls here and so 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 you have all those things that happen but then we do a lot of things during the daytime that really impact parents and adults in the area of poverty so whether it's uh, financial assistance or some type of educational component, whether it's uh, or or service that we're able to render towards them, whether it's tax prep or um, financial classes, GED, um, uh, the spiritual different classes that we have during the daytime that families can can attend and individuals can be a part of. So you have all those series of layers of things that take place during the daytime and we say we have like six primary pillars here at the Dream Center Food, clothing, medical, education, and recreation and character development. And then our sixth one is housing. And so with housing, it's, you know, doing things like literally physical structure. We have home ownership class finan- that, that ties in with the financial class. <coughs> People get to a point where, our, let's get their let's get their credit up where they need to be. And they get their finances together so then we can get them financed to actually buy their own home. And because most of the homes in our community are rentals. Like this whole area... It's basically like a big, huge apartment complex. Mm. Just a bunch of single-family homes. So our goal is how do we create more single-family homeowners in the community? Because when you have homeowners, you have stability. You have people that's gonna have agency in the comu- community, they're gonna have buy-in the community because they're not leaving at the end of their lease. You know, so, so you're, it's, it's much harder to run someone out of uh, their home because their house got broken into when they own their home than mm-hmm. in comparison to someone that rent their own home. You know. So the housing piece, is that new? Yeah,
0: yeah Okay. That's, that's, that's fairly new. So do you all own any real estate or is it more of
1: just? So we're in the process right now requiring uh, the empty lots and the boarded up homes around by, the, and we're focusing on this side of 46th Street, or not 46th, but Martin Luther King Boulevard, and on this side of 56th Street. And so we kind of focus on this box here mm-hmm. to acquire as many properties as we can in this area, mm-hmm. and then we'll expand from
0: there. And I'm remembering on your bio that I read this morning, it said that you personally, mm-hmm. not just professionally, but personally, you, you yeah. this is an area that that you're. I don't remember the exact language, but it seemed that you were investing in real estate locally and yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. affordable housing. I think was a yeah. term.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that that was. That was something that, the affordable housing aspect was something that I really felt really strongly in Mm -hmm. uh, for years, and I just really wasn't able to get the dreams in as an organization to move on. Mm -hmm. And so once I became executive director, I was like,
0: we're just gonna do it anyway. We're doing Uh, it now. So yeah, so.
2: The recreational side, I like that you said the recreational and character building Mm -hmm. uh, together. Do you guys, I would say, uh, have any classes or anything, like that, and I know a mm-hmm. lot of it comes being on the sports fields and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But do you guys do something other than just practicing in games and like that with the kids on the character building side yeah. of, of stuff?
1: Yeah, so every it's interesting how it worked out. Like, uh, I say back in 2010, God, he put like eight um, core values, if you will. Like, God, I was praying to ask God, like, what do you want us to impart into our boys and girls? And just trying to be intentional about it. And um, and he gave me eight eight words: honest, fair, strong, wise, kind, intelligent, courageous, and ambition. And so um, and so I wrote I wrote those those eight down, and we began to we created a curriculum like what does each one of those things um, what what are those things and how do we want to impart that into our boys and girls, and we wrap that into everything that we do. So whether it's our after school program or it's our um, uh, sports programs, and it's ironically enough that all of our sports, the the leagues, they last eight weeks, yeah. and so That's every week cool. is a, every week is a theme, yeah. and so at, so the coach, you know, just like oh this week is our word is honesty, and the kids they hear it, year after year after year after year, and and they they to the point where even our staff like all of our staff like they know those eight core values. Like we use that to encourage our boys and girls. We use it to redirect our boys and girls. And so a coach, he may be, you know, he may be a Hawthorne Elementary coach, and you know, and our teams are, are school driven. So like our elementary schools, all of them have school teams, and it's their, it's the principal's, it's the school's team. It's not our team that we assemble at the Dream Center. They practice, they try out most of them at their school and then they play the games here at the Dream Center. Mm-hmm. But we give the lessons to the coaches and say, "Hey, this week you guys talk on honesty." So during practice, they will you know, they will do that lesson on honesty with the boys and girls at you know, and it's typically like a 10-15 minute, you know, discussion. And then uh, on game day, when when we have our time here, we'll pray and we'll do a quick like 5-minute stand up Nugget on honesty. It's like, hey, so this week, uh, boys and girls, you know, your coach, your coach talked to you guys about honesty. Can someone tell me something about it? Yeah, what did you guys learn? And that's that's my way of making sure that. And the coach is in the circle, so like, he knows that like, dang, like, PT is gonna, he's gonna ask the kids. Yeah. And so if I don't do it, like, I'm gonna look foolish. Cause I'm gonna like, yo, like, don't forget you're supposed to be doing. Because none of the kids have anything to say. I'm gonna circle back around to the coach, like, hey, like, remember, like, this is. Part of teaching them mm-hmm. like it's not it's more than basketball like we need these character lessons being yeah. be, being brought into it as well and so so we're so we so there's a constant you know follow up and I guess you can say like we intentionally do things as a form of a follow up you know I, I don't sit down and say, hey, are you doing your lessons with the kids I have it's a good gonna show yeah yeah it's going to show and yeah. and around then then after that you know like can you guys tell me something and typically you know they they're teaching it to their peers at that point and it's like all right, good. Let's. Who's going to pray with us today? And then you know we circle up and we pray. And it's, it's interesting because a lot of the parents don't even realize the conversation that's happening in the middle, in the center of the floor when we're doing that. But we do the same thing with soccer. We do the same thing with flag football. We all circle up and pray before the games.
2: So you guys ran through The actual Boys and Girls Club?
1: No, 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 no. no. Okay. No. So you kinda I was saying we're you know, we're kind of we're just our own. I was saying we're kind of like a Boys and Girls Club, like, okay. but we're not affiliated with the Boys and Girls Club. Yeah, yeah. If you kind of think of the things that the Boys and Girls Club have to offer, we we offer a lot of those same type things, especially when it comes to sports, and um, and, and education. But I like to think we do it much better than yeah. they do. I mean, sounds like so, them, right? so, so do
2: you? Uh, this is one thing I ran into a lot last year. Do you guys do any sort of like a you call it a shoe drive? You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the times it was hard for a lot of the kids to come up with the funds on there and their parents come up with the funds to get mm-hmm. jerseys and get, mm-hmm. you know, and even if it is 50 bucks to play, you know, some kids yeah, yeah.
1: just can't do that. Yeah, all of our services, we provide them for free. And so we have, we have sponsors that will sponsor, like for uniforms and different things. Uh, depending on the sport, you know, we may get a little more than in up some areas than others. Uh, like soccer, for instance. We want nothing for soccer. You know, because we have FC Tulsa, which is a local FC uh, soccer team, mm-hmm. they c- take care of they take care of all the uniforms. They pay for the uniforms, and it's not even really them that pays for it. They are connected with so many different people. Yes. They 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 brought Adidas to the table. Adidas does all the kids' uh, cleats and their shin guards, um, and the soccer balls are Adidas uh, soccer balls. And then. Uh, BNSF uh, Railway, they take care of the cost of the uniforms. Uh, they also uh, they have another sponsor t- that takes care of the stipend for all the coaches. Um, let's see, I'm trying to think of anything else that we may need. So, yeah, so you, you Target, they, 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 they're a sponsor as well. And so, FC Tulsa, they basically use kind of like their star power, if you will. To get people to rally behind the soccer league, and we served over 400 boys and girls in our soccer league this past year, um, wow. and and, so, and then you know baseball, you know we uh, we partner with um, this organization called RBI, which stands for Restoring Baseball in the Inner City, and so they take care of all the uniforms, equipment, supplies, and that's that's actually the nonprofit for uh, one of the nonprofits for the major for Major League Baseball. And so so, you know, they they bankroll, all of that, takes takes care of all the expenses. Only thing that they do not take care of is uh like a stipend for the coaches. Uh so you know if we have if we can offer stipends, we do. If not, we don't. You know, um so like so we don't pay stipends to our coaches on baseball. Um actually soccer's the only league that we pay stipends for when I think about it. Um and then in basketball we have um, we used to, it used to be the, the Tulsa 66ers, mm-hmm. uh, they used to sponsor, now it's the Thunder. Uh, they, they, they help and they put in for our, uh, Dream League, uh, Basketball League. So all at least call Dream Leagues, and but so Dream League Soccer, Dream League Flag Football, Dream League, you know, Basketball, and so, so yeah, so it just, it just depends. Okay. But, uh, but far as uniforms, most of, for basketball, most of the schools, they reach out to one of their partners and they take care of the uniforms, and, um, and and it's, you know, they get really nice uniforms that just, they use the same ones from year to year, yeah. and um, and it, it has, because it has the school's name on it, their mascot, their colors, and it's, like and even like the POM squad, like they'll have POM squads, like the girls, have like cheerleaders and stuff like okay. that. I mean, it's like high school sports on an elementary yeah, school okay. level. So
2: you guys have like a reg director? Mm-hmm. Of sort? Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah, he yeah. Emperor, he or she's information.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's actually uh, he, he probably coming back from the doctor um, here, yeah, but it's Larry. Larry's great guy. And also I have a an amazing team. So like, I'm out. Like this last first part of uh, January, there's certain people like Marquise that um, I was like, I just went around. So okay, I need people that I, I know that I can trust. And um, and so I was like, hey, like I know you have a heart for the Dream Center. I trust you. I know you believe in what's going on in our community. Will you come on? Uh, on board with Mental Dream Center. And so most of the staff that, uh, that we have here are, are brand new. Um, and we didn't have a lot of staff, but there was just a lot of, with the transition, there was a lot of transitioning happening among staff. And so everyone that was here in February, I literally just wrote out, these are all the positions. These, is, and this is who in those places. So this like, these are the, pla- the seats on the bus. This is your opportunity to move. If you want to change seats, say so now. If you want to, your changing seats could be, you know, moving over here, changing seats could be getting off the bus. Totally fine. Mm-hmm. Whatever you want to do, like this is your opportunity to do so. And, uh, and you had some that was like, I think it's a great time for me to get off the bus. You had some that was like, man, I want to be over here. Um, like for instance, Larry, he was over transportation. He really wanted to be in recreation. You know, and the gentleman that was over recreation, he was getting off the bus, and so it's like, I want that seat. Yeah. And so I'm like, you got it. <laughs> and so, so we just kind of, you know, we just went through and just gave, you know, people opportunities, and and then we just, then, I, then after that, then I started filling it in with people like Marquise and Rodney and Miss Cynthia and different ones.
0: So with the individual finance, the financial literacy plus the housing literacy mm-hmm. stuff that you've done, is that all? one person or is that two different people dealing with empowering people financially
1: it's different okay um, yeah because we have our uh, financial empowerment center which is was a grant that we have with the city of tulsa and the bloomberg foundation and they provide financial counselors to do financial uh it's one-on-one financial mentorship with them so it's so not
0: it's not there. like a group okay
1: mm-hmm. no because what we found that when we do those financial classes
0: for like groups of people mm-hmm. it was very lightly attended See, that's what direction I was gonna go with you it's really hard to get folks yeah no
1: one wants to talk about that their their personal business in a class setting like that like it's too personal you know so how
3: did you get those people to buy to do the
1: one-on-one even um they just kinda responded to one-on-one
0: you just offered it and they said yeah yeah. we
1: offered it and we said yeah Um, most of most of them came in through uh, utility assistance or rental assistance uh, was partnered with uh, Restore Hope with the Emergency Rental Assistance Program. And so uh, individuals that, Restore Hope has a program where you can go online, or CCP as well, where you can go online and you can fill out a rental assistance application to get help with your rent or utilities. Well, a lot of people in our community does not have internet. And so um, so we offered it to individuals and we will fi- file it for them here. And so they'll come in sit down at a computer and we will help them file it. And especially then even them just being able to navigate. And so we'll say, hey, bring these documents and we'll walk you through the steps. And so we walk you through and say, hey, one of the things that we're, after we after walking through the steps, we say one of the services we like to provide for those that need rental assistance and, ut- you know, utility assistance, is that uh, we ask you to do one hour uh, with our, um, with our FEC coach, and uh, we, which stands for Financial Empowerment Center. Uh, so, like, we want you to do a, do an hour with them, and like, they help you with your whatever financial goal that you have. So, if it's, um, you know, if it's, I just want to pay my bills on time, we'll do that. If it's want, I want to eliminate this debt, is so it's very customized to that individual because not everyone has all financial goals. Like, if I went went around the room and said, "Hey, what's your financial goal?", it'll probably be different. You know, we we got six people in here probably get six different ans- answers, right? And so so same way with our with our people. And so they'll do that hour. And it's not required, but it's just strongly encouraged. And most of them take it. And to the point where like their docket, they, they, they schedule the, the, the appointments and they told us, like, hey, can you guys press pause on that for a minute? Because we, we, we can't
0: catch up. And so, so with the housing ministry, is that also one-on-one coaching counseling or is that more of a group? Yeah, so now that that's not that is more
1: class space, okay. and that's done through Grand Bank, and so Grand Bank they provide uh, a person, and they were doing that before the the Dream Center. And they was doing that for me, and and, and it was kind of like a personal thing I will and we'll have in it. At, I actually I started a tuition-free private elementary private school up the street, and so we was doing it up there in the evening time um, for for parents, and there'll be a group of, and it may be a group of like. 10 or 12 individuals, and, and we're talking about home ownership and what does that look like. And um, and so the FEC will help them get their credit to where it needs to be or their finances where it needs to be, and then the financial classes, the home ownership class is a class that's required for you to be in the pathway to get financing through Grand Bank. Grand Bank, they will not give you the loan without you going through their, their class. And, that, and, and so that's an incentive. They're like, okay, I want to be a homeowner, you mean tell my how to sit in our class for the next thirteen weeks? That's it. All right, I'm game.
0: <laughs> and this is—is is this mostly parents of children that you guys have are, are ministering to in your other programs? Yep.
1: Yeah. 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 Ninety percent of them easily are their kids are connected within a dream center in some way, form, or fashion, and that's ultimately that's the goal. It's like how do we break the cycle of poverty over like the whole entire family? And so having services for the adults. Having services for the, what, you know, kids. When, and when I say kids, I'm am saying anyone under 18. Mm-hmm. You know, that. So just being able to reach the whole entire family in that manner. But then, what we what are we doing to impact the mom, and you know, the mom and dad, or auntie and uncle, grandma, grandma, grandfather, like like whoever that parental person headed a household. How we what are we doing to help uh, impact them? We also partner with um, <coughs> uh, Toast Work Advance and uh, assist with like, job seeker workshops. We do a number of job seeker workshops here. When they're, like for instance, A.I. was doing a big hiring event at their location, um, they're, and they're located off of uh, 76th Street North. Well, you know, we know accessibility may be an issue for, for a lot of people, so it's okay. Like, let's do it where it's right in their community so they can, they can, come, they can come over here to it. And we may even provide tra- transportation for people to be able to get here. Uh, Because Aon, they're a great company where they actually provide transportation from, they have pickup locations around town where if you work for them, they will, if you can get to this spot, they'll get you to their location. And uh, so, like, they have one at pickup spots. Actually, they're looking at, with all the people that they were able to hire through the event here, there may be one here at the Dream Center, but right now there's one at the Sale Library, which is off of Pine, and um, they're, like, Pine and in between Pine and uh, MLK and, and uh, pure And so the cell library there, there's a van that goes there every single morning and a, a couple of times of that shift, <coughs> pick up and drop off right there for all the employees. So if I work, if I live in this community mm-hmm. and I work at Aon, I just gotta get to cell mm-hmm. I get to the Cell,
0: then I get a ride to work. And so, so they're a great do company. You, do you, So you, you help people get jobs. <laughs> do you do any like job training like basics of like Getting and keeping a job, showing yeah. up on time—I forget what there's a there's a term for that, but
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that's what work. Tulsa Work Advance, they okay. go through all that. So they do the job seeker workshops. That's part of the the module. Like they go through these different classes, and uh, we typically couple that with like food or clothing or some other services that you come to. Mm-hmm. You know, we we just kind of really strategically just place it at the same time. So if you come for, on a Tuesday for instance, yesterday we had um, the Job Seeker Workshop that came, that, that started at 10 and people had to be sitting here by 10 o'clock for a service and it was a you know, 30 minute you know, class and then Pastor Wendell, he got up and he, he, uh, he managed for about 15, 20 minutes and then they got the groceries. And so, so we just kind of looped it all together in one hour so you get the job the workshop, you get the spiritual aspect of things, and then boom, you get mm-hmm. your groceries. And so, so we kind of loop it all all in together. And then sometimes, like, like the longer class, we may say, hey, immediately after groceries, we have this going on. Or it could be, you know, at nine o'clock, this class is taking place, and then we have grocery service after that. But yeah, but you'd be surprised how I many people, they, they, they come and they attend those classes, and they're, they're always well attended. Like yesterday, I think it was, it was anywhere between 35 and 40 that was here for, just for the Job Seeker Workshop. And the Job Seeker Workshop actually yesterday was started at nine, uh, cause it was long, they did like some resume writing and some mock interviews and different things uh, with them.
0: So I, c- I know Van well enough, I can speak for him too, but I know, and that was only kind of a joke, but um, there are many churches in town for whom they've, they've been working with this model for some time of uh, building design ministries that, that engage children, in a fun way that also hopefully builds them up and blesses them and sends them home. And the hope has been that the families would follow the kids and come close and as they do so we can build relationships. Generally speaking, it has not worked out at all for at least a decade. Um, and we've just noticed that parents are, are increasingly indifferent to the efforts of the church to build relationships with them. And they're happy to take services, but not at all eager to engage in, in building relationships. And it could be that that we're just so untrustworthy that we shouldn't. But I obviously don't think that's the case. I so I wonder how much y'all deal with that phenomenon of just ambivalent parents who come around and okay, what can you give me? I'll take that. But no, I, I you know I don't want to be friends. I don't want to. How much of that do you deal with? And then do you really deal with many adults that are like, yeah, okay, I need I need to shake things up. I need something new. What can?
1: Um, I would say. I say, yeah, I'm sure like we have some parents that are like that, but we're very relational driven. Mm-hmm. And so like, for instance, um, every every Friday, we go out and we visit and we knock on doors and we talk to parents and families that we're connected with. And, like, and that's like a religious, like ritual thing like we do. And, like to the point where people, they just know we're coming. Um, and so, and so I think like, because of those relationships, we don't, we never really have to like, really like pull people and tell people to come to things. Mm-hmm. You know, we just say, Hey, this is happening and then people show up. And so so that's like, I'm sure that there's some people that are just like, I will not go and I'm not trying to I'm not trying to do do this or do that. But we're not really pushing you either. And so it's like, hey, this is this is available, you know, and so like if you show up, you show up. If you don't, you don't, like but we're not keeping tally if you're not if you wasn't there, you know. Um, but in the same, like if you say, "Man, I'm really struggling in this area," and I may say, oh, it's like, man, I'm really looking for." It. If someone, come, if a mom comes to me and say, "You know, I'm looking for a job," I'm like, "Well, you know, we have a job seeker workshop on Tuesday. Uh, you should come up and check it out." And because of my relationship with them, and you know, we've, I probably known them for a couple of years, and even maybe if I just know them for a few months, they know that like I care, like I genuinely care. And so they're like, okay, let me come check that out. You know what I mean, like I can call them up and give you a good, good word in for you, like come check out this class. I mm-hmm. know they're gonna be doing some interviews and they got this, 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 this going on. Maybe it's something you wanna get to check out. Mm-hmm. And then they just engage. Um, but I, I haven't had anyone in my 13 years, almost 13 years, I haven't had anyone just be like, I don't wanna come do anything like that. Like, I've just never experienced it. And, and but I think just it's purely just because of just relationship right and, and and maybe just like i said just to, maybe just the approach that that we have is very it's very like non-like committal i guess you could say it's like i'm not i don't know like i don't really like i'm not trying to force anybody to come to anything it's like hey well, this is what we have mm-hmm. and, uh, and then maybe people they just don't look at us as a church um either i don't know and so yeah
0: some people do look at you as a church, but not necessarily everybody. I think it's correct, okay. correct. So I think there's that one, like they say, there's that one bad uh,
2: cancer cell. I mean, again, I use it always in sports analogies, but there's that one kid that will rub off on everybody. And I think there's so many more positive families here. And then in Nohata, you know, there's just that one family that'll start that stupid or just You know, be negative about it, Mm -hmm. and that spreads to everybody. So easy, so easy. Yeah. But I've watched these guys try to do everything, Mm -hmm. everything they can possibly do. And I was one that refused for Mm -hmm. a long time. You know, but there really is. There's so many families in the water that are so willing to accept anything and everything, but not put forth any Mm -hmm. any effort at all. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And you'll definitely have you have those that just like they're just regardless of what. You know, you'll provide service to. I, mean, I think about, I could think about just one particular mom right now. It's like, we'll probably be providing service to her until she dies. Yeah. You know, but her kids, they're in a, like, she already has one that's about to graduate college. You know, she was the first high school graduate in her family. You know, and her, her outcome is going to be totally different. She'll be taking care of her mom. If if the dream center is not going to be, you know what I mean, Um, but but like but I honestly like and so so she might have mentally said like, and 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 I don't know I don't know like what's her, I'm not gonna try like you know, you know, I guess prescribe if you will like what is what was her reasoning and why she she never took advantage of like the the services that was available, but nor am I like I'm not coming after her about it either. Mm -hmm. You know it's kind of like you know just the bible says the poor will be with you always she's just one of them
0: mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot of overlap between what we try and do and then there's some difference because what we are intentionally trying to do is work them into a community of faith a regular you know weekly engagement with people who are praying with and for them and doing life together with them and so there's some clear overlap with y'all doing that here but also that not necessarily being the norm you're driving everybody at or even the it seems like you guys are really driven towards uh, breaking the cycle of poverty, really for a lot of people, and, and uh, being not at peace, but just understanding there's a lot of folks that's already set in their ways, and you're not going to change them. But for their children and grandchildren, there might be a different way of life that you guys open that door to. Exactly,
1: but then even like like spiritually, like I'm still like I'm I will constantly like I'm not a per- type of person that like I'm going to force you to like accept Christ. Like, but I'm, all, I'm I'm always gonna give you the invitation, and you know what I'm about, mm-hmm. and so and so like it's not. They will come to like just because because we're doing life with them, like when they need prayer,
3: mm-hmm.
1: better believe I'm the first person they're calling. Yeah. Like yesterday, you know there was two there was fi- there was uh, two shootings that happened in less than fifteen hours in our community, which was like a lot. I got phone calls. About both those situations from families that was impacted by that, mm-hmm. like multiple phone calls, and some of these families I haven't talked to in six months, and some of them I talked to, you know, the day before, mm-hmm. you know, and, and and so I'm, so I'm spending my evening bouncing around, from house to house, praying with people, and um and just just mentioning to them, and and for me like that's like, that is, unfortunately. Because of the scenarios, like that's that's that that happens more often than I would like it to, you know. Um, but they know, like, and, and 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 those are those opportunities where, like, this, for instance, the shooting that happened in in Comanche, you know, that that mom, she's been around the Dream Center for probably two or three years, had never accepted Christ, but she did last night, you know. And not just her, but like multiple people that was there, um, that the family members that was that was there, just like yeah, like we got to change. Like, yeah, like, it's time. Are you, are you ready now? <laughs> it's like, like, you see this path, like, this is, this is the direction that you're, that you guys are going, and unless something like, you're the head of this house, you know, that's, I'm saying right now, like, God wants to be the head of this house, but you're leading in the wrong direction, because you don't know how, you're not equipped to. Mm-hmm. God, he would equip you to do so, but you had to have him in you, mm-hmm. you know, And and so, so it's, is them seeing that, and then once you know life hits them, where it's like, okay, yeah,
0: like it, and then you guys have earned that trust, you've laid that groundwork, mm-hmm. they're able to easily, they probably already tra- transitioned in in some sense, but just give themselves to the fullness of what you guys offer. Exactly. And then at that point, it's pretty hard to fail.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, and then those people, like, they'll be plugged in forever, you know, they'll be, and, and that's what ends up happening, you know, they. Tuesdays and Thursdays, it's tip, a lot of people use my Sunday mornings. Like to them, that's like so that's Sunday morning. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I need you to come get plugged into God CR. That's our that's our uh, our, our Bible series. It's like so, like last night, it's like we have God CR on Tuesdays. You should come be a part of it. And they're like, yeah, I'm going to be here. And I know she are. I know I know she will. Thursday nights we have our Bible school. They get plugged into our Bible school. And Thursday nights are are typically like, we're doing some revamping of it because we have a new, uh, a new director uh, of it and just, we're gonna change the whole direction of it uh, next year. And so it's not as well attended as it used to be like pre-COVID, but um, I've kind of just like, let's just let it kind of finish this cycle like this year and then we're gonna kick it back up. But now, year one, we could easily have 60 to 100 people and then year two will be around that same amount. Uh, that were coming, but it was families that just have gotten connected, and and it's, you know, it's 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 Bible school, so they're learning everything from apologetics to just Christian basics it's class. We call we call it Christian basics, but it's like just the ABCs of of of, of, of our faith, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because um, they just didn't, most of them just don't have that foundation, right? You know, especially now, like you know, like that the generation. It's interesting, you know. I I was. my my generation I was raised my grandparents my grandparents were you know I had some praying grandparents but we we did not attend church all the time Mm -hmm. like we primarily Christmas and Easter Mm -hmm. growing up I knew there was a baby that was born that's why I'm getting Christmas presents and then and then he grew up he he grew up as a man and I he died on the cross and they say he died for me and now I'm getting Easter eggs like that that was the Pretty much the gist of my understanding of the gospel, mm. you know, growing up. And but when we prayed, you know, every day, you know, I watched Gospel Bill all the time. Love Gospel Bill. Uh you like know that reference. Your Will George? Willie George. Yeah, yeah like I, Yeah. I, used to, I it's funny, I didn't know who Church and Moo was. But I knew who, <laughs> I knew I know who Willie George was, but yeah. I knew who Gospel Bill was. <laughs> I mean, when I first met, when I first saw um, Willie George, I thought it was Gospel Bill. I, I said, Gospel Bill. And I geeked out. Like, I'm, I do I, because I'm, I'm like, I'm a grown man. Like, oh my goodness, that's Gospel Bill. Like, I didn't know he was here in Tulsa. Like, <laughs> no idea, no idea. And so I remember I called my grandmother and I was, I was like, Mom, like, I saw, I saw Gospel Bill. She's like, No, you didn't. I was like, I did, I did see Gospel Bill. And like, I haven't seen him since I was a kid. You know, but yeah, but it, it is definitely that generation of just not necessarily being like connected to church and like knowing like the, and I I, I still learn a lot like the things of church. You know, like some of the it may it, it may have a sense of like re- religiousness to it, but then there's like there's there's something about rich things you do ritually that is good for you, but uh-huh. then it can also be like if if it's not balanced. It can be very. It, it could be it could be bad as well. Oh you sure. Know? Oh yeah. And but because of that, like you, you easily have a, um, a generation of young people that they don't even understand the 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 good dynamic of like this is what you do at church, you know. It's just like we bow our heads and close our eyes mm-hmm. when we talk to God. Yeah, you know, like like literally, I could stand in a room, especially our younger kids, and say, "Okay, boys, and girls, let's pray." And they'd be like, "All right," but like, but they wouldn't, they they wouldn't know. Yeah,
0: they don't
1: know any difference. They don't know any difference. Yeah, yeah, you know, because they're not going to a church. Yeah, they're not going
0: to church at all. Yeah, they're <laughs> they're post-Christian is what they are. Yes. Yeah. yeah, you have this pure post-Christian generation that's being raised up right now, and so. Uh, well, and the thing you said that rocked my world, and I just can't recover from it is we don't have a hard time generally in no water getting people to make decisions for Christ but getting them to live into that decision is really the hard thing getting them into the baptismal font or getting them saved whatever you want to say making that decision point a lot of pastors haven't had a hard time with that it's how many of those people are there two or three years later and the success rate is so low so low and the fear i often have is that we're inoculating them against the holy spirit mm-hmm. so that when they do encounter him again they've already had they've already done that yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and so when you're saying not only do they come and make a decision for christ but they're never going to leave mm-hmm. they're going to stick and you yeah. you said that with such confidence i wanted to argue with you yeah. but you've i just want to know where where the difference is you know because i try and, and earn Trust with our community as well. I used to go into the jail once a week, mm-hmm. visit with the guys in there, be vulnerable to them, really get to know what they were about. Um, Van I know has gone into people's homes. He's done yard work for them. He's he's done all kinds of of, of service and, and help for them. But whenever it comes to making a decision for Christ and making a change of life and and really living a transformed life, it's like none of that translates over yeah, whatsoever. Yeah. So you're doing something that I can't speak for Van, but I'm very envious of, actually. Mm-hmm. And part of that is y'all have networked all kinds of different resources together to provide this kind of wraparound care that's so impressive. Yeah. But but there is something else that you've done that's earned trust. That it's, it's weird, because no matter what I do, I feel like I'm still not there with people. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they like me, they appreciate me, but they don't necessarily trust me. Yeah, yeah. But they trust you, yeah. and that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what you've done... I don't either. Yeah, right. Like
1: like that, that that I don't know. I mean, it's just like like when I hear like Marquis talk, you know, like it's like I don't know I don't know what I've done to to for him to say that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I didn't ask him to say that, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And it's just like I'm, I'm just here like I just I'm just serving. Mm-hmm. You know, I I've been at Dream Center, like I said, almost 13 years, but I've been in the community since 2003. That's when I moved to Tulsa.
0: And, um, I graduated from Booker T in '03. 03. In 2003. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow, well, makes me feel old. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can't be much older than me, though. Yeah, I mean, I'm
1: probably not. How old are you? I'm 37. Older than you think. <laughs> You look good, man. I know. It's black, don't crack. <laughs> 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 yeah, thank you. Thank you. But, um, but you know, because I, I came to Tulsa as an engineer. I was working at, um, working at this engineering firm, and we came to do a project for Sico Conoco Phillips. And, uh, and it was just me. I would travel. I would go from city to city. And I was the, the, single, the, the single young engineer with no family. You know, because my grandparents, they lived in California. That's all I had, just them. and. Um, and so it was nothing really tying me to Atlanta. And so I would f- spend Monday through Thursday or Monday through Friday in one city. And then I would uh, then I'd fly back and spend the weekends back in Atlanta. And so I kind of got tired of doing that. I came from Tulsa. Before I was at Tulsa, I was in Corpus Christi. And then before C- Corpus Christi, I was in Waco. And then before Waco, I was in Chattanooga. And then mm-hmm. in North Carolina. And I typically spend about thir- three to six months in each city, um, maybe eight. So this one got a little longer, because Sitco they decided to uh, make things a little more harder than typical. (laughs) And uh, so that three-month project turned to eight, and eight turned to a year. Uh, But then after that year, I just decided to, I'm just gonna just stay here in Tulsa. And, um, And I really just, I'd say about three months in, I stopped going home on the weekends. And I started coaching a little baseball team at Vernon Manor because I had a baseball team in Atlanta I wasn't able to to go back and forth with them and so uh, because they shifted our games to the middle of the week I was like dang I can't play you know I can't so I was I'm gonna find me a team and I I just put a group of kids together and so I just built a a lot of relationship there and this was before you had a family of your own? yeah it was before I had a family of my own yeah like I was just I drove up in my car and had a big huge bag of baseball equipment and I love baseball I played baseball in college mm-hmm. and um, and so after I finished at the, when the project was was wrapping up and I decided to stay, I decided to move into one of the apartments uh, here in Vernon Manor. and they kept saying, "I'm grew up in South Central so when you talk about the hood, this is not the hood mm-hmm. like I, I, and so I was like, eh. and, and so I was like, I'm gonna go stay at this you know, in this in this apartment complex, and I had a house in South Tulsa, but I really wanted to live in North Tulsa. And so I'm like, I'm just gonna rent this house out. I'm gonna move in here. And they were like, this is section eight, you can't. I was like, man, like, and people, they thought I was crazy. It's like, mm-hmm. here I am, you know, with this 700 series BMW. They was like, he's either crazy or he's stupid, mm-hmm. you know? And I think people thought I was just really, really crazy, uh, more so than stupid, um, because no one
0: tried me. And that was I had the exact same experience. I lived in housing projects in North Little Rock, Shorter Gord- Gardens apartment. They were featured in HBO's Banging in Little Rock. Mm-hmm. I just lived there a year out of college and they all thought I was selling drugs or something. Nobody messed with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, do, I wasn't driving as nice a car as you, <coughs> but I was just this educated white boy living in the middle of, yeah. I don't know, a half mile in every direction was just poverty and crime. Mm-hmm. But it was like there was a little bubble around me or something, I never had anything. Yeah, had. that's
1: what I tell people all the I, like, I never had an issue with my, no one ever broke into my car, no one ever broke into my apartment, apartment. But during that time, you know, I started doing, like, after-school stuff. I started doing a little after-school program in the, in the apartments, uh, in the community center. Cause they had, like, a little uh, – I had a rec room that – it was just space. It's a big room, and it had a bunch of crap in it, just all the stuff that was in it. And, and so I cleaned up, moved all the tests, and I, I made spaces for kids to come in, and, and I could help them with their homework. And I, then I do my baseball team. So I'll help them with their homework, and then we'll play baseball. And and we just did it every day. So all the parents got to know me, and, you know, Christmas I would call up friends from...
0: This wasn't even through a church. You weren't tied to Victory or anything. No, I'd
1: never even heard of Victory at that point. Mm. And, um, you know, they didn't know who I was. I didn't know who they were. And, like, for Christmas uh, I would call up friends and say, hey, like, do you, you know, I need some money. I'm going to um, get all the kids some some sweaters and scarves and coats because they're cold like I'm seeing walk around it walking in with no coats and I was buying a lot with my own money I made you know, pretty good money you know uh, as an engineer so and I had no obligations I had no financial obligations. so like I I had a nice nest egg if you will like mm-hmm. saved up just like so I, I work I didn't even work for like three years and uh, I was like oh, I don't have to work I could just do this and uh, so I was really kind of like this and enjoying life and you know some people say, like oh you like being like a missionary and I, for the most part i knew christ but i wasn't like
0: about christ
1: yeah yeah i wasn't like i wasn't like really like all about it like i i accepted christ and i did some uh, i wanted to learn more about the bible so i did like this seminary uh down in um, bethany seminary in atlanta um i had went through that but it's really more of just i just wanted to learn more about the bible and, and I, remember I told him, I was like, why are you here? It was like, you want to be a pastor? I'm like, no, no, I just want to learn more about the Bible. Mm-hmm. I, my my roommate, he was Muslim, and he was always in the Quran. After I, I sat, told myself, if I'm going to be a Christian, I want to know as much as I can. Mm-hmm. And so I just like, just dove in head first with anything that I could. But but so like, when I was here, I was staying there. I just gained a lot of respect from a lot of people. So everyone knew me. I was like, they started calling me pastor before, like, they're like, he has, like, He's a drug dealer, or he's a pastor <laughs> like, <laughs> like don't leave him alone either way, <laughs> you don't touch him, you know what yeah. i mean and 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 I used to like try to stop it, and then a lady in the front on front desk she was like, no, you need to like that's respect mm-hmm. like like if, if they're calling you that like that's that's because they see something in you, and she was a christian um and and so so she was like, you know, like you just like just just embrace it." And because I was always, like, correcting like, no, I'm not a pastor. Like, that's not me. Mm -hmm. And she was like, oh, you are the pastor of this neighborhood. And because I would do, like, little Bible studies and share stuff that I was studying to, like, the parents and stuff like that. And they would just come. They would just come and just show up. And so I did that was 03 all the way to 2009. Uh, Yeah, 2009. And that's when you came on board here? Yep. That's when I came on board here. There was an ice storm that came through at the Dream uh, in Tulsa.
0: Remember that? Yeah.
1: yeah, froze up everything. I reached out to Pastor Wendell. Um, he was the executive director at the time, and I asked him, said, so, "What are you doing for the homeless?" And um, he was like, ah, we don't have anything planned. I don't have anyone that can that can be here stay overnight with them." And he had heard about me because at that point, like the news have come and did uh, did stories on like what I was doing in Burning Manor, um and and we crossed paths. By then, I crossed paths at Victory, and uh, <clears throat> Victory. They reached out to me to do some things. I was doing stuff with Passability Joe because they was running buses in the neighborhood, picking up kids. And so, me and the bus captains would sometimes get into them. Like, hey, I have an event. You can't roll in here with your bus, taking all my kids. <laughs> like, 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 like. You need to find out what we have going on in the neighborhood before you roll your bus in here, you know. And um, and so, so we. I sat down with them and, you know, talked. And so then I was like, well, why don't you be the bus captain over this? I'm like, fine. <laughs> They're like, I, you going to give me a bus? Absolutely. At, I at saying, some
0: point there was a, uh, a lady who took a liking to you.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, my actually, my wife. Yeah. See?
0: <laughs> yeah, you see? built you built. A, I mean, very, I, know, I see the rings. So yeah, you've yeah, got yeah. So a family yeah. somewhere along yeah, the way. Yeah, 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 so.
1: yeah. No, it, um, I didn't get my wife. Uh, I met her in two thousand and. Eight and bus ministry, cool. uh, Victory bus ministry. Oh, really? So uh-huh. Victory. Mhm. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was already plugging the Victory. She was doing the bus. I, I was rolling the buses into into my neighborhood, taking all my kids. Mm-hmm. I met with them. They said, "Well, why don't you take?" Over? And I, I even I mentioned, I was like, "You know, like at least let let me let me get on the bus." <laughs> yeah, you know, I was like, "Well, we gotta do a background check and all that." I was like, "I don't care." I was like, "You gonna find some stuff? Just let you know." <laughs> It might not be what you want to see, but I, I'm, these are my kids, you know. Mm. And uh, I was like, this, this is my neighborhood. Like, you know, if you got – we need to have some type of communication. So they ended up letting me be the bus captain. And then pretty much the rest is history on that. We, we just connected up, and I started doing stuff with their outreach and assisting them with, like, music and stuff like that and, and being a little more culturally relevant to the people that they're trying to serve. And um, – Victory. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, it was very, it just wasn't culturally relevant to sure. the to the <laughs> to the TJ, demographic. Tj went to their
0: college, uh-huh. the Victory College, mm-hmm. and, yeah, and yeah, I was yeah. asking him expensive. about the because yeah. they just have this big machine that they built. Mm-hmm. You know, including you guys, and so I just wonder at the dynamics of a lot of that because uh, they obviously have a heart for North Tulsa, but mm-hmm. also that doesn't reflect. The, d- the demographics here don't reflect the demographics of the main campus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how do you earn that trust? How do you mm-hmm. accomplish good work? And it's it was coming <laughs> alongside community partners like you who yeah. they decide they're worthy of trust.
1: And it, it was hard. Like, I mean, like, Pastor, Bill, Pastor Wendell, he'll tell you stories about how they used to throw rocks at the building and stuff like that. Like, it wasn't... Like, local
0: people did? Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Yeah, like, like, the Dream Center was not widely accepted by the community until after I came on. Okay. Um... And it was primarily because, like, the community knew me mm-hmm. and they trusted me. And so it was like, okay, PT, he's over there. We can get with him. You know, but, but before then, it was just like, this place, they closed at 3 o'clock every day. Uh, it was open to the public Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. And one Saturday out of the month. At the Last Saturday of every month, mm-hmm. they had things going on. Um, but for the most part, there really wasn't anything really going on at the Dream Center uh, prior to that but uh, it was just it was there wasn't a lot of trust that was there Um, even though yeah they ran buses all over the city and stuff like that and gave away stuff and did this mobile kids club trucks all over the place Mm -hmm. like that stuff existed but kind of like what you're saying like there's just there was no relationship built and um,
0: How many people, I'm going to change the subject completely. Mm-hmm. On Fridays, you're going, it's, it's clear to me that relationship building is where you guys are really strong. How many people are going out with you door-to-door, building and maintaining those relationships on Fridays?
1: Now, most of our TAs go. Um, TA stands for? Yeah, teacher assistance, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah, teacher you assistance. Teachers,
0: you don't have a school here on site, do you? but mm-hmm. you have partnerships with local schools where you have Dream Center TAs. Yeah, the, that t- are in the,
1: local the TAs place. are like young adults that um, they're like college students, whether it's Victory College students or most of Oral Robert students mm-hmm. and TU students that um, they work in an after school program. Okay, and so they which is on site, which yeah. is on site or at the other two locations. Okay, and so oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So so I tell I tell I, I tell them all the time, say, hey, you want to have your be- a better classroom management, uh um, easier time with classroom management, do visitation.
0: And so, do they visit primarily their own
1: students? Yeah, they visit their own students and they've talked to their parents. Okay. Yeah, and so, but once once a kid knows that you know where they live, their respect for you totally changes. Right. Because one is like, I know that you can talk to my mom. Uh-huh, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, as long as they think that, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, because it, it's like, you want me to talk to your mom? Now, the fact that I know who your mom is, you'd be like, whatever. But if you see me talk to your mom,
0: uh-huh. You've been in that living room. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, all, it's like, oh, yeah.
1: she's going to be there on Friday. <laughs> Let me, I want him to say nothing but good things. Well, I'm going to get my butt beat. You know what I mean? And so, like, they they know this. Uh-huh. You know, and so and so I tell them, I tell them all the time, like, if if a uh, teacher assistant comes to me and say that they're struggling with the classroom management, I'm going to ask you, have you been visiting? Yeah.
0: You're so going to ask be, them what?
1: Have, have been they visit? been visiting? Oh. Yeah. Have how, you been visiting? How
0: many TAs do you all have
1: we have 20, okay. 20 this year. We have, um, we, we have we typically have ten at each site, but uh, we only have five at our remote locations. Uh, so ten between the two, and um, and then ten here. Okay. And so, so, yeah. But all all of them go out along with our family support specialists. Um, we have a family support specialist. Her her role is just basically tend to the needs of the other family the boys and girls. So she bounces around from all three locations. She sees things that needs to be done amongst the the students um she takes care of those she takes care of those things so like she may notice like you know this kid you know i i know that he's been wearing the same uniform shirt or he's wearing like it seems like he only has a couple of the same he has two or three pairs of uniform pants like she noticed those things and she's she she gets them or she may hear from a parent during visitation that. You know, the parent may not necessarily even say it outright that, oh, we don't have a bed. You know, I don't have a bed for this this son, or I need this and I did just in our in the homes. Mm-hmm. She'll she'll say, okay, like I see they need a bed, so then she'll put on care portal. You know, need a bed for a family, blah
0: blah blah. Because she's an actual uh, uh, DHS worker.
1: She's not, but we're we have a care portal account where we're able to we, we actually see those put out requests and we really? actually put out requests as well. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So that was they wanted us to fulfill orders. I said I can't I won't fulfill, I can't just fulfill orders if we're not able to put put stuff up on ourselves. Sure. And so uh, Sam, so, yeah. so yeah so we partnered with Care Portal and she put things up there but then also like we may have things here. So she'll come to me and she will say, Hey, you know, like can we I put this on Care Portal but it's gotten it's it's gone cold. We haven't had anyone to to respond to it. And we go into benevolence and, and buy this. And so so we would connect that and we get the stuff and get it over to the family. So that's that's her role. And so she does vol- she does visitation mm-hmm. during that time. I go out, I, I still love visitation. That's they try to like you don't have to do visitation. Right. Like, you're the I enemy, know I don't have to, but like right. this is this is what I
0: do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's hard knowing how to s- spend your time because you're also the primary one if you're showing up to a benefit dinner mm-hmm. or showing up to some big public thing. I mean, you're the face. Then yeah. people are going to give whenever the face of an organization. So you're probably the most ex- influential fundraiser, mm-hmm. but also if you're not constantly putting that time in on the bottom, then you lose that trust, you know, yeah. and then they're yeah. going, what happened to that guy? Yeah, so you're. I'm sure. I'm surprised you were willing to sit down with us as long as you were today. Thank you for... Spending this time because I'm sure there was a hundred other things you could have been doing, but well, we do too. I mean, this is obviously really great for us. Uh, We're obviously coming from a very different context, rural. I mean, uh, rural poverty is similar, but different to urban poverty. And um, so I I wonder, I mean, we have some overlap with your mission field, a lot of difference. I mean, our County has 10,000 people in it you got that many in a couple blocks you know um we do have a boys and girls club that is growing and and hopefully going to be engaging the community more so it may or may not be wise for us to even think about going going and doing some of the things that that you're doing because it's going to be done by the boys and girls club (sighs) i do find myself wondering you know with my church average attendance of 40 right now Net worth of um, 600k. Thank God. You know, and we have uh, probably 200,000 dollars liquid that we can make liquid for God's glory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we know we could, we could burn that in a week if we wanted to, just giving it out. Oh, yeah, but how do we build relationships the right way so that that, that spills over into doing more and more and yeah. and makes a difference? Meth is huge. Opiates is huge. I mean, we haven't even talked about addiction while we're sitting here, but that clearly overlaps with yeah. a lot. So I just I wonder where your wisdom is on what we should be looking into so far as you know, knowing our religious history in that town of wanting good things, trying to build up, but not being able to make those connections. Yeah, yeah. What, where do you think wisdom is in using our, our assets for God's glory? I would like When I first came to the Dream Center, one of the first things I did was I
1: went down to Elwood, which is the street over here on the end here, and I knocked on every single door. And I just began to talk to the families. And it was literally, like, it wasn't really like a, a survey, but it was, I was just introducing myself. It's like, hey, you know, my name is Pastor Tim. I just started with the Dream Center here. And um, I just wanted to introduce myself. So what's your name? You know, and, and, and then from there, you know, I just began to, and that's really where visitation started. It started there. And we just, just talking to them. And over time... I heard about needs, and and it wasn't because and I didn't point out just ask them, So what would you like to see the Dream Center do? Mm -hmm. I never said that question. It was just like so. How's everything going? So man, PT, you won't believe what happened. This is probably like I say three, four months in because I could now I've gone. I've been to your house, you know, every other Friday for the last because it takes me time to you know circulate around. But I've spoken to you like three or four times now. Mm -hmm. I I I maybe just walking around. And then I see you and you just uh, you threw your hand up and I, hey, how are you doing today? You know, just maybe, and, and I go and say, hey man, so what's, what's been going on, how you been? And then they begin to tell me, oh man, this stuff is happening, this stuff is happening. And and so and I'm hearing, you know, like yeah, like, man, these these kids over here, they were breaking in their house over there and they got in a fight over here. And, uh, I was like, man. It's all like, the drama. Yeah, 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 so you're hearing all this drama, right? And, and he's like, okay, well, what? Like, and so then back on mind like we well, need something for these kids, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 that's how. You know, it, that's how it came like because I knew like and I was it's, the whole while I was still doing my after school program at Vernon Manor. I hadn't moved it because they were there and like I didn't have a, a bus or anything to move the kids from Vernon Manor to the Dream Center. I was, I was there, mm-hmm. and um, and so yeah. So that's so and so begin over time. I just began just just talk to him and I would hear, I would hear. Were you
0: daughter. married? At, yeah, you were married at this point.
1: At this point, yes. And then you got kids? hmm I, my, my daughter, she wasn't born. My daughter, she's eight. She's okay.
0: my oldest. And then I have a four-year-old son. I'm just, the logistics of, I mean, it totally makes sense. Yes, going door to door, building relationships, earning trust. A lot of that stuff happens organically. That's time that could be spent in other places. Um, as an administrator of a church, there's plenty of things to be done for a church. Van, you're better at visiting people than I am, but you don't have kids in the house like I do.
1: And it may not be you. It may be someone else.
0: Right. You know,
1: okay. someone else yeah, that, that's, 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 that's under you. I mean, because, like, for instance, like, when I wasn't the executive director when I was doing those things. Uh-huh. You know, Pastor Wendell was. You know, he was the fundraiser, the one going out, you know, raising, raising money for the Dream Center. Mm-hmm. But I think at that time, like, our annual budget was, like, 200000 So very similar to where you guys are uh right now like it wasn't it wasn't much at all. Mm -hmm. Um like I remember I asked I said, what's the budget? And it was like he kinda laughed. He's like we kinda we're keeping the lights on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, trying to do stuff on two hundred thousand a year. I mean that is my annual budget, honestly. It's a little bit bigger. But I mean we're not trying to do all the things you guys are trying to do.
1: Exactly. And so from that so so they really wasn't even re- they, they weren't even really wanting me to expand anything from a standpoint of it's going to cost the dreams and any money. They just knew that, hey, this young guy has a really good pulse on the community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we need someone that has a heart for this area. And Pastor One was like, I'm not going to be here forever. Mm-hmm. And so if there's, you know, like when, right after he hired me, like it was kind it was pretty much an assumption that one day you're going to have my job. You know, like that was, you know, he he never said. And frankly, I told him, I said, like, "If I'm gonna be here, I'm I'm in this. Mm-hmm. I, I want them to have your job." You know, he was like, "Yes, that's my plan." <laughs> you yeah, know, and so and so and so for him, he was just thinking succession. Not, like, he didn't know how far I was gonna go with it. But um, but yeah, but I wasn't that guy, so I had that freedom mm-hmm. to go around. So he was still up here doing grocery grocery giveaway, and I'm I'm out. You know, knocking on doors and that build relationship and just talking to people, but that because they would say things like, "And like I don't know how to," you know. We used to have a computer class, for instance. We had some computers that someone donated, and it, it was multiple people that donated, so none of them looked the same, and you know, it's like a bunch of donated computers, and um, but they were sitting here. No one, no one used them. Most of them was in boxes, was set up, and so I ended up taking them and set them all up, putting them on folding tables and and folding chairs in front of them, and. And, you have, and we were just talking about how, like, I would hear people saying, like, yeah, I don't know how to use, I need to, inter- I don't know how to get on the internet or email and, and all this technology stuff is, I don't, I don't know what they do here. Mm-hmm. I think, like, MySpace was still a thing at that time, mm-hmm. you know, it, I, I think Facebook even was, like, really, un- Facebook was around, but it wasn't, like, prevalent like it is mm-hmm. today, you know, mm-hmm. and, but hearing them talk, it was like, huh, like, and so I say, like, like, you think we should do a computer class at the Dream Center? Or I may not say anything at all. I may say I put something together and then I go to them and say, hey, we want to start a computer class. Are you interested? Mm-hmm. And I know you are because you just said it two weeks ago. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so those are the ones that, and I was just and if I had just even when I had just ten people, like, ten people was a win for me, I was like, yeah. hey, I got this computer class, you wanna you wanna you wanna come to it? Oh yeah, yeah. Then they come. They come. We stand up in here and grocery giveaways like Cause at that time again, people only came for food, clothing, and medical. That's it. So anytime someone came for food, clothing, medical, I'm talking to them, telling them about, hey, we have we got this computer class that we're doing on Tuesdays. You should come, mm-hmm. or just this class. Cause at that time we're still Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It was like the primary time was open, and um, and so it's like we have these we have these opportunities for you to come and be a part of. And uh, and so yeah, they just they would do that, and that's how we grew. You know. You know, as conversations, hearing them, even when they come for, like, food, they come for hot meals, I would sit down with them and just talk to them while they're eating, and and I would hear just things, you know, like, that stuff that they're going through, anything that they're facing, and I think it was okay, like, what what could the Dream Center do to help respond to this? Because if they're going through it, I I bet there's more people that's going through it, and right. then if I hear it from if I hear from someone else and someone else, if I hear from three or four people, I'm like, okay, this is a problem. Mm-hmm. And so, so same thing, I hear parents talk about how like, we need, and that's how I started our school program. We open up the gym, kids start coming in. Boys and girls would coming in with their backpacks. PT, can you help me with this? Can you help me with this math? Can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? I got this, can you, can you do these, can you read off my flashcards with me? It's like, okay, sure. And so, we had so many kids who was asking about it. I reached out to a, um, a lady, she was I my part of my prayer she'll, um, Miss Marcia, she would come in and she would pray, say, anything you want me to pray about? I was like, man, I got all these boys and girls that they're needing um, help with their, their homework, and it's just me. It's like me and 60 kids in here. And I just need some, like I'm just, just praying and just asking God for wisdom on what, what to do. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm, I was a high school dropout, so some of this stuff, is like I'll be trying to figure it out. And um, and so the next Monday, this was like on a Thursday, that next Monday, she came to me, and she was like, I'm here. I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, I'm, I'm here to help you with your with the after-school program. She was the first person that said the phrase after-school program. I'm thinking to myself, we don't have no after-school program. <laughs> 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 I told her, they got kids, I'm trying to figure out their homework. She, and she was like, I'm a retired teacher. I wanna, I'm, I'm here to help you. And she, she's the one that really formatted it together like what it needs to be. And, and it, it really was, just, and when I say format, it was just like, okay, we're gonna have the kids come upstairs and do their homework, and then we're gonna let them go play. All right, and we, and we just started from there. But it was based off that needs of kids, and sure enough, like, we went from 60, 60 to 100, 100 150, 50 to 200, 200 250, three, now we're serving over 400 boys and girls every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, but it just, it just grew from there. But it was based off, little off of those.
0: And to manage those 400 children till what, 6 o'clock in the evening? Mm-hmm. How many adults on site? Um, that's between the three locations.
1: And well, you, no, just here on this, okay, um, just here on this site. Yeah, I'm on this site, it. we have about 125. Really? The rest of them mm-hmm. off
3: Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we do 125 here um, on... But it depends on the day, honestly, because we have another uh, 50 youth that that are like teenagers, so um, 6th grade through 12th grade, they come on Mondays and Wednesdays. And uh, then on the other sites, (coughs) except for the 6th grade, we have 6th grade all the way Monday through Thursday, but Mondays and Wednesdays is when like the 7th through 12th graders are here, and it's about 50 of them. Mm-hmm. And so on those days.
0: So you have some paid staff here but you also have a lot of volunteers, a lot of adult volunteers. Yeah, mostly volunteers. And is are they under the umbrella of Victory or is or are they pretty much Center, we have our own volunteer okay. of, like process and everything. Sure. Well, they,
1: we run it through Victory's uh, HR department so they do all like the background check but we've paid for it but they just the department processes all sure. those. That okay. way they don't have to pay for uh, you know,
0: all like a staff person just to do background checks and everything right it's a huge machine y'all have built it's very impressive I've hogged the time for the most part do either of you guys have any stuff you've been sitting on for Tim you guys want to walk around and see the place would love to yeah yeah. All right. so it's a day later and I've had uh, a a day to kinda just sit on my thoughts and digest what uh, what we encountered yesterday it was quite a visit Um, Tim ended up spending two hours with us from start to finish and um, I don't know how much we'll make it into the final version of this that we put out, but just constant information washing over us. Um, there are a couple lasting impressions that I kind of wanted to share, um, one of which being that, that I'm, I'm generally skeptical of two things that I see in lots of institutions, one of which being the institution being too married to one individual personality. So um, a church just being married to the personality of their head pastor I think is often very problematic. Um, two, uh, I think it's a heavily flawed model to build relationships with people and try and work transformation in their lives by giving them free stuff. Um, I just don't think, I know everybody does it with good intentions, but I think generally it does the opposite of what it, it's trying to do. It's, it's wanting to empower people, but often it, it disempowers them and makes them dependent and informs uh, a bad self-image. Anyway, both of those predispositions that I carried with me um, we're very challenged yesterday because what we encountered was an institution that is very married to the personality of Tim, that is doing excellent work. Uh, Tim seems to be up to the task of being uh, the icon for his organization, and they seem to be working um, great and genuine transformation in the lives of the people who enter their orbit, uh, and it seems to be a significant number of people. so. Um, you know, the question I then have is how much of the good that they're doing are they doing because of the things that I have a problem with or in spite of the things that I have a problem with? And the answer is it really doesn't matter because who cares what I think. But um, I'm, I'm trying to learn the lessons from them that can be used here in this context for the, the good of our local poor. And um, I don't know how much of, of this um, will translate over, but I, I came in with certain assumptions about what they did because of what other dream centers do that I'm aware of and they really do different work. Um, a lot of their work overlaps much more with Boys and Girls Club of America than it does with say an addiction uh, facility or hom- homeless uh, facility. Um, they, do, they do kind of a combination of uh, locally speaking the church, Boys and Girls Club, and Grand Lake Mental Health uh, with, with um, their wrap-around care. But everything that they do at the Dream Center is faith oriented. So they're not bringing families in and then churning them out into um, government programs or local secular nonprofits. Rather, they're, they're connecting them with Christ and with a Christian worldview that then empowers them to, to seek their creator together. Um, and if I could, I really would wish to, to talk more with Tim about that because he is considered a pastor, he leads religious services there, um, and they're, they're associated with Victory Church um, I wanted to acknowledge that um, what seems to be the biggest lesson from yesterday is the impact of relationships. At one point I asked him, um, you know, I told him some about our context here in Nowata and I said, okay, here's our context and our frustrations and then here's your context and the work that you're able to do. What's, what are we missing? You know, what what if you were in our shoes, what would you work on? And his answer very gracious, was that we need to work more on building relationships. Um, He talked about beating the pavement and building relationships with people going door to door and earning trust and not even talking about um, front end, I want you to do this, but just showing that you care about the people you care to serve. And um, that's something that a lot of institutions and the people in charge just don't have a lot of patience for. You really have to admire someone who has the patience for that and no matter how big their organization has gotten they're still beating the pavement and going door to door sitting in people's living rooms getting to know them and and their struggles and um, doing this kind of community resourcing bit that's um, it's impressive and it's effective um, I'd like to believe that Tim is the man that he needs to be for this role I just I in this day and age we're so familiar with leaders who get isolated or they get too full of themselves. They don't walk that line. They, they start um, blurring the lines of morality and making bad decisions. And, and you know, I, I didn't, how could I have any indication about Tim and whether or not he has what it takes to just be a man of perfect, upright integrity. I was only with him for two hours. But, you know, I, I did really get the sense about him that he, this is an extension of him and his faith. Um, you know, he, he was not afraid to flex and he knew where his strengths as a leader are, and yet um, he still carried a great, um, humble demeanor with him. He was not a blowhard. He was not full of hot air. We didn't ask, like, real uh, direct confrontational questions, but we did ask questions that kind of you would be able to feel out if he really didn't know what he was talking about or if he was taking credit for something someone else was doing. And um, the impression I got is that he was just a real straight shooter, who had a genuine love for Christ and for the community he's chosen to serve. And as we went around the building, we talked to these different people in the building, employees, it was fall break and everybody was relaxed and happy. We went by rooms where they did not know we were coming by. Why would they even care if some hicks from no Water were coming by anyway? But they, they were happy, smiling at each other, planning out um, uh, educational units together. Uh, they were happy to talk with us. They were happy to talk about how much they loved the leadership there. And in the end, I came away thinking, this is uh, one of the most special institutions I've ever gotten to see from the inside. Uh, Most nonprofit institutions are dysfunctional. They have um, uh, resentful employees and staff. They have a lot of um, programs that aren't doing much that that they're just doing because I got grandfathered in or because somebody has strong feelings about it. I really got the sense that the Dream Center was, was doing effective work that they were constantly innovating, they were building relationships, not just with local people, but with local uh, nonprofits and governmental organizations and doing it on their terms rather than selling out for money. Um, I was just really impressed uh, from the get-go to the very end with what seemed to be a very, um, an organization with a lot of integrity. So um, how much of that can be applied to our context locally, I don't know. Um, you know, a lot of it I, I wonder if the grand, uh, uh, local Boys and Girls Club might benefit a lot more than, than I would from that time if they just watched it or, um, heck, local sports, who knows. But um, I do know that it was time well spent that I was personally refreshed and encouraged. And I guess at the tail end of this, if you've watched this far, I just hope you were too. I hope you found this all as exciting and engaging as I did. Uh, there are people and institutions doing a lot of amazing work. And um, I, I think we're right to try and pay attention to that and learn from that. So God bless you. Thanks for joining me.